0: Costume is not easy, but there are plenty that are insensitive or just straight up racist. So as the day of tricks and treats approaches, NPR's Layla Faddle examines the tropes and the hurtful stereotypes that inevitably surface on Halloween. Hi, Valerie. This is Nadia at Adele's. I did get your message. Nadia Sadie has been selling costumes in Los Angeles at Adele's of Hollywood for forever. My mom's aunt started the business in 1945. And over the years, tastes Um, have changed as people become more sensitive. Uh, But the shelves are still stocked with costumes like Mexican girl, Arab man. That one hits home for Sadie. You know, and I always get like, oh, why are they wearing this? You know, because I'm an Arab. You know, like, why are they wearing this? What's the reason for this? She's ethnically Lebanese. So I kind of have to let it go. You know, it's fine. They're just having fun, kind of But yeah, sometimes it gets to me. She obviously struggles with whether the store should stock these costumes at all. But customers ask for them, she says, and she only sells to people who she thinks mean well. The thing is, a lot of people cause offense unknowingly, says Mia Moody Ramirez. They wonder, what's the big deal? Why are people getting upset over this? She's the chair of Baylor University's Department of Journalism, Public Relations and New Media. She says people might think a costume is funny or beautiful. The big deal, though, is it's a dominant culture taking elements of a minority culture with disregard. So it's the idea of people wearing something without really knowing the history of whatever it is that they're wearing, or also if it's something that's from an oppressed group and people are benefiting financially from using that product or wearing that attire, uh, but they're not actually showing respect for that culture. Look up Mexican, you get stereotypical sombreros, ponchos, and handlebar mustaches. Native Americans, Tom hawks, braids, buckskin. Um, When it comes
1: to Halloween in the Native community, it's like a big eye roll, you know. Um, It's hard for us to celebrate it.
0: That's Hainu Josephine Tarrant. She's a New York-based artist of the Ho-Chunk, Hopi, and Rappahannock tribes. When you really look at it and you really study these tropes and these stereotypes and what they mean and how they affect us as Native people, you know, they're all rooted in a historically violent past. Um, almost always to people who say they're just having a bit of fun. There's a lot of other ways to honor us. Repeatedly in this country, we've not been honored. You know, she says she understands how non-Native Americans find her culture beautiful. But you need to find another way to support us. You know, we have products, <laughs> we have jewelry, we have podcasts, we have theater. Play Lafalden and PR News, Los Angeles.
1: Halloween time, Halloween time. It's that time of year again. Or actually, this episode will probably drop after Halloween. But it was that time of year. So that clip I played on the onset of the episode was from NPR's Code Switch, a really fantastic podcast as well that I highly recommend. Um, It highlights one of the challenges that people of color and indigenous people have to face this time of year. Every year, dumbass people do dumbass things. Cultural appropriation isn't the only thing that I'm gonna be talking about. Um, As a modern cultural anthropology-rooted archeologist, there are so many other facets of this high holy season, if you allow me to discuss. Indeed, there is. However, bear with me a few more minutes as I continue to bludgeon a very dead, very gooey deceased horse here. Because honestly, the people that do this, that culturally appropriate every Halloween, the offenders of this reoccurring Halloween faux pas, obviously don't get it. They don't recognize what they are doing. They don't see it as wrong or they are so compelled by being the bad boy or bad girl or political correctness kind of person that does what they want no matter what, that they will continue to paint themselves black or put feathers in their hair, regardless of how many people around them say, what the f*** are you doing? It'll happen every year. I think if we stop giving them attention, that might slow it down, but then it obviously won't embarrass them, and I'm all for embarrassing people that do embarrassing things like that, uh, do racist things in particular. Let's, let's get their faces out there. Let's let, let folks know who they are. So, anyway on with the episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Materialist Podcast. This is Nigel Rudolph, Public Archaeology Coordinator with the Florida Public Archaeology Network Central Region. Um, What is this? What am I doing? Well, this is the Halloween episode. It's just going to be a short and sweet episode. And forgive me for not getting episodes out as frequently as I would like. I may have mentioned this in past episodes, but I made the, (laughs) um, it wasn't a mistake, but I made the the conscious choice to go back to school, go back to college as a middle-aged person. And you know, it's hard, (laughs) college is hard. And now I know why I didn't do it for 20 years. So why did I do it? Why did I go back to school? Well, I'm focusing on historic preservation, cemetery preservation, and I'm very excited about it, but it's kicking my butt. So, Um, And I still, of course, have the family and my full-time job as an archaeologist with the Florida Public Archaeology Network. So not a lot of time on the old Nigel's hands, but that's okay. If you are just joining us for the first time, the Materialist Podcast is a place where I... And sometimes guests, hopefully guests, get to talk about the importance of material culture, all the stuff we surround ourselves with day to day, and how those objects have agency. That is, of course, the overall question the podcast tries to dig into for each episode. Do objects have agency? In this time of year, those objects are so spooky. So for this episode, we will dab slightly into some material culture of the spooky nature and talking about some other facets of Halloween-related, archaeology Halloween-related stuff. But this is the first Halloween episode that I put out that I'm not broadcasting from a cemetery. I think I've, well, I think I've only done one in the past, but um, I'm not broadcasting from a cemetery. Why, do you ask? Because I'm just not. I will be out out at a cemetery uh, this afternoon, I'm sure. What I really want to do is try to disconnect the the space this idea of spookiness from cemeteries. Although I run History Bike Gainesville, which is a guided bicycle tour, and uh, I do a Halloween bike tour that I just did um, several days ago. And it was a big success, and we ended, of course, going into a cemetery because those cemeteries are in fact not spooky. I am compelled by my spooky, macabre nature to bring folks into cemeteries at night to highlight particular characters whose names are carved into headstones and, you know, for, I guess, the scare of it. But I've spent so many times, so many days, days upon days I have spent amongst the lichen-covered stones and grave markers, and I have felt not a cold breeze unless it was chilly, which it is not at the moment here in north central Florida. I have not heard the howling of the wolves I do hear from time to time the cry of someone's labradoodle, <laughs> but alas, no spirits have I felt, just the charge of history and culture. Roots and culture.
0: This is called Roots and culture.
1: So I did actually find a book doing some brief research for this episode. I found this book called Evil Archeology from 2019 by Heather Lynn, PhD, a self-proclaimed renegade archaeologist. Her PhD was from the University of New England in Maine. This was the, uh, the, the gist, the synopsis of the book. Demons, Djinn, Possession, Sinister Artifacts... Gruesome archaeological discoveries haunt this book by Dr. Heather Lynn. Evil archaeology investigates the archaeological record for artifacts of evidence of evil entities revealing how demons from the ancient world may be dwelling among us. (laughs) It also looks at the history and lore behind real relics believed to be haunted and includes historical accounts of demonic possession that go as far back as King Solomon invoking demons to help him build his famed temple. Apparently, the thousands of enslaved people that King Solomon had to his disposal did not fulfill his needs for building his temple. He had to bring on some demonic assistance. I'm not. I'm not sure how the demons assisted. I have yet to read uh, Dr. Heatherland's book. Um, maybe they were in charge of the catering or drawing up the plans. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure, but. I don't think Dr. Heather Lynn is a renegade archaeologist at all. Uh, I would say the real renegade archaeologists are pushing to decolonize a discipline rooted in so much ethnocentrism and so many platitudes of ancient lands and ancient people. Boo. <laughs> there is, however, plenty of fascinating material culture out there that hints at the macabre and the occult. Certainly, these a lot of these stories and, and whatever... Dr. Heather Lynn speaks about in evil archaeology probably has some some basis in fact is grounded in something. That's how that's the hook that people use. There's lots of archaeology featured in horror movies as well, which I'm going to touch on. Um, one of the things, one of the pieces of material culture that you may be familiar with. Um, and you may have seen pop up on people's Instagram feeds or, or Facebook feeds this time of year, are those, they're called mort safes um, or mortuary cages that these these steel vaults that are placed over grave, grave vaults that are said to protect the living from the undead. Uh, they were mostly done in the 19th century, you know, to stop possible vampires from returning from the grave to seek, seek the sweet life essence of their loved ones. Uh, In fact, it was to stop mischievous medical students from retrieving recently deceased human bodies from their dark places of rest. Um, And believe it or not, these mort safes are often found in Great Britain and Western Europe, interestingly, in cemeteries near medical schools. So... Um, hmm, perhaps there's a correlation, but it is spooky nonetheless. Uh, I have yet to stumble on in Florida a a vault covered with a steel cage. And if I do, I'll take a picture. (laughs) So back to movies, my favorite movie of all time, hands down, favorite horror movie, favorite of all genre is The Exorcist. The Exorcist starts with an actual, real archaeological excavation in Mosul, Iraq. The director, William Frenken, who made The Exorcist in 1973, convinced the director of a dig, an actual, real dig, uh, in Mosul, to allow them to shoot several scenes while excavations were ongoing. So, If you've seen that intro scene to The Exorcist, that is very real. That is a real archaeological excavation that is happening. And uh, it's super, super cool um, to kind of get an idea of, one, what uh, Middle East archaeology would look like in the 1970s. It's kind of shocking. But Father Marin, who is the Catholic priest featured throughout the movie, he's heading up this fictionalized excavation of a temple uh, that is being excavated in Iraq, and he discovers a small effigy of the deity Pazuzu, um, who's, who is who's actually the one that, the deity that actually possesses Reagan, uh, the star, the, the little girl star of the show, star of the movie. Pazuzu was actually an actual deity in Mesopotamia in the 8th century BC. And my understanding is Pazuzu was some kind of wind deity, which interestingly is expressed throughout the film, the, the the notion of wind. And in fact, right when Father Marin is holding the fragment of the Pazuzu effigy in his hand, and then he looks behind him to see the larger statue that was placed by the film uh, crew the large statue of pazuzu you you see dogs fighting and you see lots of wind sand blowing in his eyes so i think that's pretty cool that they they kind of keep the 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 lore of the actual deity throughout the film and then of course One of the most famous, uh, not necessarily referencing archaeology specifically, but material culture that is seen in films is those films that are surrounding Ed and Lorraine Warren, the famous ghost hunter demonologists who were made famous from the many films within the Conjuring universe. They were said to have a special locked room in their home, blessed by priests, right, because, you know, Catholic priests kind of... (laughs) <laughs> seem to be seem to be the go-to solution for all demonic possession throughout the uh, throughout cinema the this special blessed room that held all kinds of evil objects material culture the actual Ed and Lorraine Warren would gladly unlock the door to their actual chamber of horrors for the entry fee into their museum <laughs> they were of course charlatans that took advantage of folks who had real issues or mental illness and i'm not i'm not saying that there's not a place in the world for the Ed and Lorraine Warrens out there who who want to turn a buck from, uh, you know, fantasy, whatever. Whatever they want to do, man. But they were fakers, and their estate, because they are both deceased now, uh, Ed passed several years ago, and I think Lorraine passed fairly recently, but their museum is still open. Um, so you can, in fact, pay the entry fee and go into their ch- chamber of horrors. And their estate is making fat stacks off of these films. And I actually like The Conjuring films. I like the first few. Uh, the, the first one and the second one were excellent. And I like the Annabelle Creation or Annabelle Origins or whatever it was. Those are, those are good movies. Yeah. Charlatans, to be sure. Actually, I just looked it up. Uh, The Atlas Obscura website has an article written in 2016, updated in 2018, about the Warren's Occult Museum, and it's actually in Monroe, Connecticut, and it's closed. It's closed. It was closed initially in 2018, currently closed while looking for a new location due to zoning issues. And Lorraine Warren died April 18th, 2019, and the museum has permanently closed. So sorry, folks, you can no longer go tour the spooky collection of of material culture in the Warrens Museum. I will post a link to the uh, Atlas Obscura article in the show notes, so check that out. But I could go on and on about the uh, archaeology trope that has been used in so many horror films. One of the worst that for some reason is like prized as a a realistic portrayal of archaeology and just like a good horror movie is As Above So Below from 2014. I have no idea why this is such a popular film. It is absolutely terrible, uh, but it certainly communicates the same old cinematic archaeological stereotype that archaeologists are all about objects and will do anything to get it. <laughs> oh my God, one of, there's a movie I watched recently um, while we're talking about films, The Mole People from 1956 that basically centers around for some reason, an archaeological excavation. Um, here's a clip.
0: Nice, they're making Lipton sun tea. Hmm. We'll have to open new trenches tomorrow along the north line, Judd. Most of the old ones caved in. That earthquake put us behind at least a month. Ah, uh, you know better, I mean. We shouldn't complain about the work. Uh. I think we were fortunate. The epicenter of the earthquake was only 25 miles from here. You think the goddess of Ishtar is punishing us for removing the tablets to The inscription said, he who removes it with malice, but we aren't malicious, are we? We want to rescue the Sharu dynasty from oblivion. That's what archaeologists are for, no? Uh Archaeologists are underpaid publicity agents for deceased royalty. (laughs) Sam Spade, archaeologist.
1: In case you didn't catch it, he says, quote, archaeologists... Are the unpaid publicity agents for deceased royalty? <laughs> um, I'm not gonna argue about that. I'm not gonna argue about that. So there's other, another movie called Demonia, 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 from, that was made in 1990 by uh, Lucio Fulci, who is the oh so famous, terrible Italian horror movie master. And he made this movie that again revolves around archaeology. Here's a clip.
0: How did I get here? You fainted. I brought you home. You? I don't understand. Just put your mind to it. Oh. I remember now. I was at. I the... know. You were attending another of those foolish seances you're so fond of. How many times have you heard me tell you, Liza? An archaeologist digs into the past with his intelligence, not his superstition. Remember? I go to those seances, Professor, for fun. It isn't
1: serious. Well, I hope not. (laughs) An archaeologist digs into the past with his intelligence, not his superstition. Don't you remember that? But there are so many, 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 many horror movies out there that feature characters who are archaeologists or anthropologists, and they never get it right. I, I don't understand. I mean, it's, it's, it's great to kind of continue this horror trope. Like, I have no beef with horror tropes, but it would be nice for a more accurate portrayal of a contemporary archaeologist. And so I may have an idea, ladies and gentlemen, we need a new horror film that uses the hook of archaeology, but frames the discipline more favorable. Am I right, aspiring filmmakers out there? I will gladly write the screenplay. How about this? All right, let me. This is just popping to me. Here's my pitch: a horror movie about an anti-racist archaeology defending the rights of indigenous people against evil corporate uh, evildoers. <laughs> that want to harness resources held in the earth on their sacred lands. And they, they use the power of Satan themselves to destroy the pagan gods of the native people to be able to extract the precious oil or coal or minerals or anything from the, the ground, which will inevitably destroy the livelihood and the area that these indigenous people live but the anti-racist archaeologist who initially sets out to defend the rights of these indigenous people ends up falling prey to um, uh, um, an evil force via a Ouija board that he uses during a party then gets possessed by a demonic presence and the archaeologist ends up i don't know making an ass out of himself and falling down some stairs um cause, cusses a lot who knows then passes out then an indigenous college student in the archaeology program see you get me at the local university goes after satan by using traditional spirituality and science to capture satan and his dudes his henchmen his demonic henchmen and a box of some sort of metal box a bottle, a jar. I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. And then they bury that object in a sacred location to be trapped forever. (laughs) That's good. That's pretty good. That's all off the top of my head. I swear I'm not reading a script. That is all off the top of my head. And that opens it up for a sequel. I got to make this flick. All right. That's all for now, kids. Short, fun episode we will probably drop after Halloween. But for me, the spooky season is year-round. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in once again to this uh, special Halloween episode of The Materialist's Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean and Spotify, as well as Instagram and Facebook. We're all over the social media. And, you know, like I said, I'm not as active as I once was. um, But please, if you if you find the the Facebook page or the Instagram site, please uh, share um, and like us. That would that goes a long way. Um, We love social media interaction. So you can feel free to give me a shout out um, and we'll give you a shout out. Uh, you can reach me by email at the materialist podcast at gmail.com. That's the materialist's podcast at gmail.com. Thank you to USF and the USF Department of Anthropology, of course, and thank you to all the FPAN regions out there. Uh, for more info on FPAN, go to fpan.us. Typically, intro music is silver in the age of opulence, used by permission by Have Gun, Will Travel. If you would like to find out more info about Have Gun, Will Travel, their Facebook page is HGWT Music and on their website, it's hgwtmusic.com. I think that's it. I'll post some information about these crazy horror movies that I watched uh, relating to archeology span in the show notes, so you can watch them. They're both free on on YouTube, which is great. If you'd like me to cover anything special, just let me know. Uh, Again, the email to reach out to me is materialistpodcast at gmail.com. Read the show notes. That's it. I'll catch you all on the flippity flip.